Right. Hello. Good afternoon, evening, and good morning to everyone that's listening to the podcast. My name is Damon Terrell, and I have alongside me uh, Callum Harris. And today we'll be continuing with our latest episode on FBL Nations. Thank you very much for joining us, Callum. How was your week been so far? Yeah. Well, personally, not too, uh, not too bad. Quite, quite a good week in general, uh, and in FPL terms. Also not a bad week. Um I got a I got a green arrow and I went from about eighty K to about fifty eight K. So in terms of a small green arrow, I guess you could call it small, but you know, a sixty percent or forty percent jump is uh not too bad either. Um obviously I was on wildcard this week and I had a uh an enjoyable few days picking my players. Um some immediate regrets and some things that I've thought about well and have come through. Yeah. So um, no, I'm 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 happy with how it went overall. Obviously, you do the wild card for the long term; you don't do it for the short term. Uh, so at the moment, it's fine. But you know, I'm hoping that several green green arrows in a row where the fixtures have turned, where everyone might start kind of struggling with the fixture pile up. I should be a bit more. Bit more prepared for. How was yours? Nice. Mine was fine. Um, FPL wise, it was a good week. It started out great because you know how it goes. The first two game weeks, when you have a good game week overall, the first two days are the best in that you jump the highest positions. Um, just that it worked out in a way where you have a situation, um, that the majority of my players, in fact, all my outfield players played within the first two days. The only player that played on the last day of the game week for me was my keeper so i had that situation where i had i had like huge green arrows going into it and you're just hoping that the, these games end up in like one all draws with like nobody scoring and that ended up not being the case but mm. i did end the week with a good green arrow it was from like 200k to like 170 there they're about so that's about a 30k jump um i'm happy for it I my aim is to get into the hundred k, um, the hundred k threshold, which I still haven't broken for the season. But we're we're making steady progress, um, especially after having two back to back red red arrows. I'm definitely happy to see the thing trend back upwards. <laughs> I also made a few um decisions that worked out immediately, so I guess we'll touch on those. But what I wanted to start on, um, just to get us off on a nice foot was actually as you mentioned already your wild card. I think it'll be interesting if. We talk about um, how that went for this game week. And as you said, the regrets and stuff that you wanted to do. Um, but you also mentioned as a long-term thing. How was that wild card in terms of immediately success for you? Yeah, so I had mixed success, I would say. Obviously, like I said, it's the, it's the long term of it. But obviously, I had I had my players that I knew I wanted to bring in. So I had... The people who were definitely, definitely going to come in was Cancelo, Alexander Arnold, Rhys James, uh, Salah, Jota, and Benteke. Um, <laughs> out of the three defenders that are supposed to be scoring big at the moment, I got a big score of four from them. So James <laughs> obviously was injured. And I knew that going into the game week, but I thought I want him for the long term. So I thought he's best just sat on my bench for now because it looked like it was just a knock. 
Cancelo and Alexander-Arnold obviously losing their clean sheets and not providing any attacking returns either. Um, Salah is pretty much the only one who I would say is absolutely essential and he's going to be a season-long hold and a captain every single week. He got 15. Um, He was always going to be my captain. He was always going to stay in my team. Nothing, Nothing interesting there. Uh, Jota, which I said, I think last week, he was definitely going to be a a hold for me because I had him before the wild card, but he was definitely going to be a hold for me over the wild card period as well. And he scored eight points, so I think he was relatively successful and he has a nice run of fixtures going forward. And Benteke, ah, oh, the frustration. This is this about two or three weeks ago I, I said about bringing... Benteke in normally when he scored his um, 12 point haul and yep. uh, I said the thing that stopped me was the fact that he was sometimes getting a little sort of rotated with Edward Zaha that sort of thing and I wasn't quite sure how it was going to pan out uh, so it turns out this week he did get rotated <laughs> Edward started up front I think and Zaha started out on the left Benteke was reduced to 70 minutes. Uh, sorry, he came on at 70 minutes, so he was reduced to 20 minutes. And I honestly believe, you know, in a couple of days, days' time when I check the XG of that match, Benteke's XG will actually be quite high because he had a lot of good chances in that game. Um, and he missed a clear-cut header at the end, so he could have provided points. He just got quite unlucky. And I'm fairly confident, given his performance... I'm fairly sure Vieira is going to have to start in next game because he played so well. And it, it's not like the Benteke. We know that sort of he's a bit of a slouch, maybe. He was running at defenders. This was a Benteke we've never seen before. This was like Mohamed Salah Benteke. This was, you know, <laughs> he looked good. Yeah. Um, and when I saw him on the uh, on the eye test, which I think will come to diff- various different matches shortly, you know, he was the player that stood out for me once he came on. He looked... Red hot and ready to go. Um, so that was that was the players that I knew were gonna stay in my team. Then obviously yeah. I had Cancelo, Alexander Arnold, James as the first three spots. So I had two more defender spots to fill up, and I chose uh, Alonso. Um, he was a last minute, a very very last minute decision. So I had. In fact, if I tell you the other one first, because he was a bit more nailed. So I went with um, Waihi from, I don't know if that's how you, how you pronounce his name, from Crystal Palace, the centre-back. Yeah. And I went with um, Waihi because Crystal Palace's fixtures were very good. Uh, Guaihi had contributed to a number of uh, goal involvements. Um, and although, you know, maybe that's going to tail off Crystal Palace wing-backs aren't exactly attacking, I just went with um, the option that I thought was the most nailed in the team, and that was Guayhi. Uh, it was really unfortunate in in the Leeds game that he was the one that gave away the penalty, actually, uh, and then Rafinha scored. But that won't happen every week. I'm I'm confident that Guayhi is still a good pick. Yeah. Um, but that left me with a, a final spot, and originally I was torn between Kyle Walker and Trevo Shalabar. Um. And I ended up not picking either of them because I needed to make room in my team for someone else. So I actually um, 
had to downgrade someone in order to upgrade someone and that left me with about a million in the bank so i actually got the chance to then upgrade um shalabar who i was originally going to go to to alonso uh and i just thought where alonso is more nailed i felt like it was a good decision and yeah there's nothing to be to be said there yet really he got one point why he got one point um neither of them really performed for me but again i'm, I'm confident looking at the fixtures going forward that you know Guayhi with Southampton, Everton, Watford, Tottenham. There's a clean sheet in there, a couple of clean sheets in there. And Chelsea with, um, you know, Leeds, Everton, Wolves and Aston Villa. There's, I reckon, three clean sheets in there for them. Um, mm. Other picks. This is this is where it starts to get better, actually. This is where it gets good. So, after Salah and Jota had three midfield spots remaining... So I've got Bernardo, um, Gundogan and Smithrow. So we spoke quite in depth last week, didn't we, about um, Man City assets, how nailed they were. Yeah. And I, I was so convinced by having both of them that I couldn't, couldn't really think about how to change it up. Obviously, there was the option to go with Foden, but where he's, but he's a bit more expensive. So I went with uh, Bernardo because he's looked good on the eye test. And Gundogan, because he's looked good on the stats. Um, see, Gundogan got injured after the deadline. I wasn't aware of Gundogan having an injury. And if I had, I'd have shipped him out. Uh, I don't even think it was an injury. I think it... Well, I don't know if I, I didn't see that. But I think he was just about a rotation because they both didn't even travel. He and Walker. And I know for sure Walker is fully fit. So um, I think okay. it was just a rotational, rotational move, yeah. I think it's because I saw... I think once he hadn't started, maybe FPL panicked because they put a little 75% fit. He might have a knock on like sort of status on him. So maybe it was maybe it was that. But to be fair, looking at the lineup this week, I can't see that, you know, Reese James or Gundogan have any sort of problems. So maybe they were just rested and FPL didn't know how to explain it. But anyway, Bernardo. Oh, did you see the goal? Of course I saw it. <laughs> yeah, no, of course. You're a Man City fan, of course you're going to see it, to be fair. but So, no way Ronaldo, it. an absolutely beautiful volley into the top left-hand corner. Yeah. And I was so happy it was him as well. Um, so he scored me 10 points. Um, yeah, he got three bonus points, a gold scored, and 90 minutes played. And Smith Rowe, the guy we've been talking about for weeks now uh he also came up with a very 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 controversial goal which i think obviously being a smith row owner was perfectly fine no problems there oh yeah um <laughs> as we'll see on um in your team soon you may or may not have benched him me or me not my uh, my final pick, Gundogan, didn't play. Um, he, we'll call him rested. I rested him on my bench after he didn't play and Smithrow came in for him. So I got a bit lucky there, really, because I'd, I'd benched Smithrow originally. Uh, and my final pick, so I had three striker spots. I, Benteke was a must. I had Tony, uh, and that's more for 
coverage just because everyone else owns him and I didn't know what other cheap forward to get and I had Wilson. Um, my plan is at the moment is to sell Wilson in a couple of weeks when he plays Liverpool, Man City and Man United in a row and move right. him on to Josh King or Emmanuel Dennis. That's the plan. So I'm going to roll a transfer this week um, and then I'll be taking Wilson out next week and bringing in Dennis or King, I think. Uh, and in goal, I've got Ramsdale, my backup keeper's backman. Ramsdale, again, it, it's for that coverage of... Everyone else seems to own Ramsdale or Sanchez. Um, Sanchez was my keeper for a long time before he got that red card. Uh, and I'd probably have kept him had it not been for that. Maybe I'd have moved to Ramsdale, hard to say. But Ramsdale, for me, seemed like... The sensible option. Um, he's got some good fixtures coming up. He's got Everton, Southampton, West Ham, Leeds, and Norwich. So, again, definitely three, maybe even four clean sheets in there. Um, he's a good keeper. He'll get save points. You know, we'll see how that goes. And that's that's my whole team really. It, it's good going forward. That you know, Wilson's probably the player with the worst fixtures going forwards. Um, you know. Other than that, they've all they've all got good fixtures, really. Benteke's got Man United next and Guayhi as well, so they'll be benched. But going forward, their fixture run is, again, fully green. So, yeah, that, that was the story of my wildcard. Nice. Um, I think I think for me, as I go into my team, um, yes, that is, we can go there first. Um, Smith-Rowe was... And I think for me, what hurts is that um, it made sense. I didn't want to risk anything. I definitely didn't want to assume that, okay, he probably can get a fluke goal, which actually ended up happening. Let me just play the safe option and bench him. Gallagher's playing Leeds, a defensively weak team. He more than likely can get in on a chance or two, more likely than Smith-Rowe. What ended up happening, Gallagher gets me one point, Smith-Rowe gets a fluke goal and gets seven points. Um, so, you know, I mean, judging by what happened and then the goal that, that he scored, because Smith-Rowe wasn't that attacking otherwise, um, I'm not mad at it. I would have done it again. I would do it again if the situation presents itself. Because Gallagher was the more sensible choice, in my opinion. Um, just based off of the fixtures. And I'm usually somebody that chooses fixtures over form or things like that. And there was nothing really that would have convinced me when I was choosing this lineup to start Smith Rowe against a Manchester United when um, there's a Gallagher going up against Leeds. So I have no issue with that. It is, you know, this hurts that you have seven points on your bench, but you know that happens all the time. Um, for the starting eleven, though, Wilson, great. Um, he was my punt from last week. In fact, we did the transfer live on the podcast last week, so you also yeah. and I made the right decision. Um, nine points. Although, you know, I really would have loved if um he would have gotten more simply because it was a Norwich team. Granted, of course, the game didn't go as expected as I think within the first. 20 minutes, they were already down to 10 men, Newcastle. So they were basically yeah. playing the game um, handicapped. So I was really happy to even see the notification come through that he got a, a, a return because I originally planned to... Um, yeah, I originally planned to watch the entire game. But when I saw the red card, I was like, oh, there goes my Wilson um, return. So I turned it off. And then when I came onto my chat, I realized, yo, he's caught a pen. And even... Wasn't that convincing because I think Krul had it covered. He just didn't um, save it properly. So that's, that's I guess, 
is that I guess is my Wilson return. Um, Vardy was one of my disappointments. I think that's one of the things we have to touch on is the disappointing, the disappointing factors and disappointing team, um, team players. Vardy definitely fits that description because he had a, a perfect opportunity to continue from where he left off against a very weak um, Southampton team defensively. And what hurts even more was that Leicester scores two goals and Vardy doesn't get in on any one of them. He didn't get involved so, at all, did he? He scored, I think, he got two points for that game, didn't he? He didn't even two. get a return assist or anything. Two points. Um, so a complete blank. Uh, so that hurts. The only reason I'm going to consider keeping him is just because of his fixtures at this point. Um, and probability speaking, he's going to be um, most likely to return. Um with that being said, the other person that has to... Yeah. I was just going to say, for Vardy, I think yellow fixtures are actually good for him. So green fixtures where he can't run in behind are not so good for him because he doesn't have that room. Um, red fixtures, again, they don't have the ball enough. But yellow fixtures, so the likes of Aston Villa, Tottenham, Everton, those teams will be going out and trying to beat Leicester. I think Leicester will have their equal share of chances. I think those fixtures are actually perfect for Jamie Vardy. I think he'll, he'll do really well in those ones. You know, I think you're right. Um, because that's probably something I, didn't, I don't consider, I didn't consider when picking him, is the fact that his playing style revolves around him being sent on the counter. So I definitely think that's something I'm going to have to consider. Because it does make sense. A team like Southampton is not going to go out all out and attack a team like Leicester. Um, mm. that's probably going to be the same for Aston Villa. Although Aston Villa's game against Man City was rather interesting because I um I got to watch the ending of it. Um, and Aston Villa were really going after City. I think after Gerard made a substitution or two, um, he changed up his system. Uh, what's his name? Watkins was really doing damage. Um, and I think one of their newer acquisitions or probably an acad- um, academy player. I don't know his name. Seemed new to me. It's the first time I saw him. He caused the City backline a lot of trouble because they were getting, they were linking up as a front two. And there was a one-on-one opportunity where Edison made a very good save, but honestly, it should have scored because it was straight to the keeper. Um, uh, Jake, Jake Murphy, I think it is, is yeah. it, that you're referring to? It might be, but I remember it being a, a, a very unique name, if I'm not mistaken. Either way, um, he... Yeah, he produced a really good save, Edison, but Aston Villa were really going at City at the ending of the game. Um, and they were creating a few chances. So that's probably something to note for that next game for Leicester. But he definitely still, I found, should have at least gotten in on the act. Doesn't necessarily have to be a goal, but as a return would be so surprised at this point, striker-wise. Um, and Jimenez, as I was going to say, is also, we also must re- add him to that list of... Um, disappointments for the week because again perfect opportunity for someone like Jimenez to return it's a green fixture it's a Jimenez that has been scoring of late against a Burnley team that is known to concede and Mm. he goes 90 minutes and gets nothing so those were the two disappointments for my team probably you can add um probably we can add Gallagher there as well really would have wanted Gallagher to do something but to note with Gallagher and for those who own him it's definitely now a, a trend where Gallagher is sitting a lot deeper. I can almost confirm that now have, after having watched the game and after having reviewed somebody's review of the game on Instagram. He's a like 
a diehard Crystal Palace fan, um, and he also does FPL reviews on Instagram. He definitely, and I think he made the point that one of the centre defensive midfielders are, is injured at this point. I don't know who it is. I can't remember his name. But as a result of that, Gallagher is now filling in in that role of being the CDM. So he's either going to get you his points and assists, which is something you don't want to definitely depend on as a midfielder. Um, I mean, for his price, if he's if he's a um, a punt pick for his price alone, then definitely. But um, I definitely wouldn't put all my eggs in the basket and say, okay, Gallagher, go get me points this week, you know? So I'm probably going to look at moving him in the future. He got one point in his game against Leeds. And again, it's a fixture where you'd expect goals ended up only being one all. But as you know, Kala mentioned, there were plenty of chances. Salah and Jota, I mean, Salah was inevitable. Captain, fifth, 50 points. You know, I nothing really to add there. Great goals, by the way, too. Like that Everton Liverpool game produced some really good goals. Um, Jota was an, a, a great pick for me because, as I mentioned in the previous podcast, I was supposed to have owned him since two weeks ago, but ended up doing it too late and missed the transfer deadline. So he was my first transfer in <laughs> when this when the new transfer window opened. Like I didn't even I didn't even ask questions about it. I just took him in. Um, straight straight off for then. and he scored a goal. Exactly what I needed. Um, no complaints there. Rafina as well. I know Callum and I were watching the game. Callum was watching the game and messaging me, and Callum was losing his mind because not only did his defender concede the penalty that Rafina scored. But his defender was also a judge to have handled the ball. So I know yeah, that um, that would have been tough for him to swallow, especially after having bought him in any wild card. That was really, really, really tough to watch. But, you know, I mean, I mean, there's always two sides to the coin and I was celebrating and I didn't have a key anywhere. Rafina scored. I got my eight points. I was really happy um, because I, that's what I'm keeping him in the team for, to score goals, at least until Banford comes back. Um, and he did deliver. My big surprise of the week, if I could call him that, is Diaz. Because as much as I wanted him to get a, a clean sheet for the game, it turns out that he, you know, is all of a sudden a, a long shot specialist. Because he scored, and it wasn't a header. It was a, a shot from outside the box, and I was like, what? Because when I saw Diaz score, I was like, okay, probably it's a cross, corner, bullet header. Something of the sort, which is what I played him for, just in case he get, does get in on a header. And it was a shot, it was a like, as if... There's an attacking midfielder coming in from across and a ball played across the bus. I think it was a bad clearance and Diaz um, started into the bottom right corner and I was like, wow, it was a good finish too. So he ended up getting me nine points and I was without a clean sheet, which also sucked because I would have definitely been on in on the points if he had gotten a clean sheet. But I'm very satisfied with it. Also, due to the fact that Cancelo completely blanked and Chelsea defenders blanked because I don't own either one of them. I don't own James or um, Chilwell or Alonso or one of those people. So that worked. Alexander-Arnold, I mean, he is going to have um, those quiet games, even though four goals were scored. He didn't get an assist or a goal himself, nor a clean sheet, which is um, inevitable that with Liverpool's defence. So I'm not worried about that. He's definitely going to be staying in my squad going forward. He's always going to be in and amongst the chances created and assists definitely a goal threat as well as he's on free kicks um and assists are going to be very high with them being on both free kicks and corners so you know that's just one week that happens i'm going to move on from that rudiger as well surprising that chelsea did concede the way they conceded but i'm not mad at it you know rudiger has been a pick that has been producing of late and you know there's no need for me to rush and change him especially now with 
the revelation that James got injured or rested for the last week, I know for sure that Rudiger has um, definitely been nailed in Tuchel's um, lineups of late. So he's definitely given me a, a sense of security in the back line, especially as a Diaz City owner. So I need that. And lastly, Ramsdale with my other transfer. One of my uh, one of my two free transfers was Jota and Ramsdale last week. I spent points to bring in Wilson, so that paid off. Ramsdale, uh, my only thinking for him, bring, by him when I bought him, because I could have waited until after the United game, because I expected goals in this game. Um, what I did bank on was Ramsdale getting saves. He got seven of them. So even though he conceded two, um, three goals, which was a minus one on FPL, he ended up getting um, three points in the entire game because he had seven seven saves. So if he had gotten Wait, one more, he probably would Two points for seven saves. He got two points for 90 minutes played, but then he got minus one for goals conceded. Is that right? Yep. Yeah. yeah. Um, so if he had gotten one more save, I think he would have... Yeah. If he had gotten one more save, he would have probably ended up on four points, which, I mean, I, I can't complain about at all. But that's the entire reasoning behind me buying him was because I know that he's going to be in and amongst the save points, regardless of what happened with Arsenal. And if he gets a clean sheet on those save points, he's definitely going to be bang on for double digits. So it's a no-brainer for me. Livermento and my my fellow, um, my brother, who always gives me the name pronunciation issues, uh, with the other people on my bench. Um, Livermento at one point, that's why he's on my bench. I knew Leicester were going to go to score in that fixture, so he was second on my bench and then did Norris in the last. Um, oh so all in all, a, a very, I'm going to, I judge Callum as the pronouncer of names for me from now on. So that's his, that is his position on the podcast. I'm not going to ever try and embarrass myself. Um, but yeah, he this this game week was really great. Um, I got 76 points. I don't know if you mentioned how many points you got, Callum, for the week. I can't remember if you did. I came away with 74 points overall. Right, um, and I ended up 76. Yeah. Yeah. That's correct. Although you've got Rafinha now, I think you've got a, a couple of um, players in your squad um, you're potentially looking to get rid of now. So obviously you mentioned uh, Jimenez and Fardy, um, and Rafinha might be another one that you're considering getting rid of after the Brentford game as well. Definitely. Um. And I think this is where I want to transition into transfers for the next for the next game week and beyond that because I do have a lot of questions and I know um, we have people with questions as well. I definitely am looking at Rafina to to move um, after this Brentford game. What I am going to keep my eye on, and I mentioned this, I think, in the group chat, was the fact that um, I know Bamford is on his way back. I heard that he is already back. Um, and as a result, I know that Leeds probability of goals will increase just because their striker now is returned. That also may have a reverse effect on Rafina in that Rafina now may be reduced to a much more chance, uh, what is it, playmaking role, in that he's going to be, yeah, he's going to be focusing on getting Bamford in, which is what he was doing all the time, just that he was a, a, a goal-scoring threat himself. But because Bamford has been absent, he's just been a mainstay in my team because I know if Leeds return, if Leeds score in a game, it's probably going to be Rafinha's doing, either assisting or scoring. So that was my thinking for it. Moving forward, I'm going to keep my eye on them and how they play against a team like Chelsea because I know Leeds have the mentality of no matter who they go against, they're going to go to attack, which is why I would keep my eye on a Leeds asset 
particularly attacking wise. So I probably would bring in Bamford very soon, but I need to see how you know Bamford gets on as well, and how the Leeds midfield shifts to accommodate him coming back into the team. But he's definitely somebody who's going to be sold soon, especially with Chelsea, Man City, and Liverpool, <laughs> the top three of the Premier League within the next four game weeks. Um, Arsenal and Arsenal Villa in between those two. So I definitely am having him on my chopping block. I know we had a question coming in from one of our um, one of our other participants in the league. T, you want to ask a question? Yeah, hi, you lads. Yeah, all right. Um, I've got Ronaldo. I've just seen he's been yellow flagged. What are your thoughts on uh, Harry Kane coming in just for this week, swapping back after? I'm thinking. Yeah, Callum, you want to you want to start with this? Yeah, sure. So Harry Kane plays Norwich this week. Am I right in saying? I think it's Norwich. He's got That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. For me, I'm I'm very anti Harry Kane this season until I see any glimmer of something from him. Um, if I was taking a punt on a Ronaldo replacement for this week. I'd probably be looking towards someone like Vardy um, or even, and I know there's every chance he might get benched, but someone like Benteke as well. Um, Just because I I haven't seen Harry Kane produce anything for for Tottenham so far. And um, and there's actually an ongoing joke at the moment that, you know, Kane's playing defensive midfielder because every time Tottenham are attacking... I've watched a few of the games and Harry Kane's sitting so deep that he's yeah. not he's not having any impact on an actual goal, if that makes sense. He's kind of almost creating the play from a centre midfielder role and then trying to sprint up into the box to sort of get on the end of something, but nothing's coming his way. If it was me, I, I, I'm not a massive fan of yeah Harry Kane right now uh, until he starts scoring... Once or twice, um, yeah. I'd probably look to avoid him. You could potentially look at someone like uh, Wilson, who's got Burnley. Um, and you've got Benteke, who's got... Um, in fact, Benteke, sorry, he's got the hard game. Sorry, that's Man United this week. Um, you've got Tony, who's playing Leeds. Um, so I think you have a few options there, potentially, that don't cost as much. But did you say you were looking on getting Ronaldo back in the week after anyway? Yeah, it's just a temporary fix. Like, I mean, it's, it's no secret to Harry Kane doesn't want to be there, but it's Norwich. You've got, it's got to, you've got to get something off Norwich. I'm sure. Mm. Uh, yeah, I, it's going to be a hard one, isn't it? I think the way Dean Smith has set up Norwich at the moment, actually, I think Norwich actually look okay. I know it sounds bad because it's Norwich, but I don't think they look half yeah. as bad as Newcastle do. Um. Yeah, I, I, to be fair, it wouldn't surprise me if Harry Kane's sort of goal-scoring streak did start now. But for me, it's not something I'm I'm willing to punt on personally. You've always mm. got the option if you, if you wanted to save a transfer, you could just play Ronaldo, and if he doesn't play, he's unlikely to come on from the bench. So then I've got Huang, and <laughs> it's it's not not a good replacement, and a non-playing. Yeah non-playing third forward so it's for, it's for me I need to replace him really just in case 
No, that makes sense. Yeah, I, I think for me personally, I, I'd probably be looking at one of the cheaper options to, to go with for this week in that case. But what about you, uh, Dom? Yeah, I think I'm in agreement with the um the anti the anti that's a good name to uh, the anti Keane um, movement until he returns. Yeah. That's 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 how I have been with him for this entire season because I know that the whole debacle. I mean, I'm a city. Fan. I I followed it very keenly on what happened with city city and Tottenham. Um, so I know that would have been affecting him for me jump, which is why I didn't originally buy him when I made my team. And I've just been waiting. I've literally just been waiting for him to start. As soon as I, I told myself, as soon as I see him start, I'm going to go get him. Because I know once he gets one, he gets two, he gets three. Um, but I don't like I don't like what I see from him. As Akala mentioned, he has been deep, like marketably. Like it's not just something that has been happening on and off. It's definitely something that he's doing consistently. And it's not to say that it's not been working. I mean, I think he's been noticing that um, the ball from defensive midfield to the strikers have been very, very low quality. So I think he's just taking it upon himself to try to improve that. And he's a very good distributor. I mean, to be able to score um, the most goals in the Premier League and get the most assists in the same season speaks for itself, which is what he did last season. So I think he trusts he himself in that asset, in that aspect. But I don't yeah. think that that's going to be something that you want to bank on for somebody who you want to score goals. And I think my key is that his price and his position like demand that he returns goal scoring wise because he, you don't get much um, for much else. And you definitely want him in bonus points and you're going to get that most likely with goals. So yeah, I think, I think for the punt though, the only reason that I would consider it is because of the fact that you said it is a punt that you're just going to go back on once Ronaldo gets back. Yeah. I, so I would not mind if you consider it. I would just say though that I, you would have to keep it with the context that he has not been scoring, he has not been in form. Tottenham have not been scoring with him. They've been scoring outside of him, but not with him. Um, yeah. So if he if you do if you do go with him, yeah, then I have to expect that there might not be much return. So it's, it's how much you're willing to risk. I think it's def that's definitely it. Like if you're willing to risk him blanking a game week, then all right, you can go for it. If you're not willing to risk and you need points coming from your striker, then I think the alternatives that Carla mentioned would yeah. definitely be like a good one-week punt in particular. I definitely would consider people like Wilson and etc. who are playing much weaker teams. Well, well, weaker well, teams. My, main, my main concern was that um, I do swap Kane and Ronaldo's got his yellow flag, but he does play, bangs a hat-trick in. <laughs> and I've got not yet. Yeah, and that's the other thing I was going to mention is that it's Crystal Palace United are playing who have just um, seen Ronaldo score two against Arsenal. Um, yeah. If he does, because I'm pretty sure, like, I, I don't know who this manager is that's coming at United, but I'm pretty sure, I mean, everybody else except Carrick, they're going to start Ronaldo once he can play um, because they're going to expect that regardless of what happens, if United are going to score, it's going to come through him in some sort of fashion. So I think that's the, that's the thing that you're supposed to be banking on. I would hold on to it until like the very last minute if you can get any piece of information yeah. as to whether he's going to start or not. And if he starts, I would start Ronaldo, like no question. Um, just because of the form he's in and the fact that in United are literally still built, as much as you're trying to diversify, they still are built to facilitate him. So you're more than likely going to get returns from my life. That's definitely going to be my, my way of thinking through that. Yeah. Okay. If I can add as well, there's um, the option of Gabriel Jesus, who is going to be a massive differential this week. I don't think anyone owns him. Um, 
is he a, is he a forward in FPL or is he a midfielder? I think he's a forward. Um, the forward. I, I saw yeah. a fact that said um, every match he's started for Manchester City, he's returned in. Um, yeah. I obviously, I know Dom, you're probably far more experienced in whether Gabriel Jesus will play, might not play, or if you have no idea, no one has any idea. <laughs> I guess I guess it's just an option because when he plays, he's good. He scores. The problem is, will he play? I don't know yeah, if that's Pep's pro- given any indication so far. That's the main thing with, with Pep. Um, I've had, they say, I've had Foden now for three or four weeks, <laughs> and I'm just too scared to get rid of him because the t- the day I do get rid is the day he hauls. So, yeah. and it's Pep Roulette, like it, like it's, it's not a good thing. So I'm 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 a bit. Bit wary of Man City players now. You see, I I think with that, it's a nice it's a nice um direction to go because again, like I mean, Jesus was the facilitator. He played, he started last game. He was the facilitator of the Bernardo Silva goal. So again, another return. Um, the only thing with Jesus though is that Jesus's position right now is more right wing. So if he is playing, he's going to be playing on the wing. So more than likely, his returns are going to be. Assist because I think he has more assists than goals this season. I might be wrong on that, but he has been in an assist at a much larger rate than he used to, and that's simply because his role now is a lot more on the wing aspect of things rather than through the middle that he used to play. So that might be the only thing with him, but it is a Watford team that are going to be very, very open, I believe, in the back, and I think Man City will be, um, as they usually do, going in a very attacking, very pass oriented game. So and I, as I told Callum, and I think it's very very interesting to see what, how the goal scored against. Um, who did he play last? Oh God, my memory just beat me for a minute. But the goal that Bernardo Silva, Bernardo Silva scored was incumbent to what I was describing to Callum last week. In that Bernardo Silva, somebody who will find himself in defense, mopping up, um, using his dribbling to clear the ball up the field, and then two seconds later he's in a false nine position, scoring a goal like what he scored. So yeah. that is definitely yeah, what can happen. Villa, right? That is definitely what can happen. So that could be Jesus next week with Gundogan crossing the ball. That could be Jesus with Rodri crossing the ball. That could be Rodri with Maris. You see the combinations. So that's that's yeah. definitely the risk with the Pep Roulette is that because of the football we're playing, anybody can be on the end of any goal. I think. Bernardo Silva probably now has as many goals as Foden, who's joint top scorer for our entire season. Yet we have, mm. I think, 30 plus goals. So it's not a case of you can bank on who's going to score. You're just going to have to hope that who you do pick from City returns um, because it literally can't be anybody. So that's going to be my concern if I do go that approach. But as it starts to show, if Jesus plays, is going to be in on the act. So it's not a bad pick either. Yeah. Okay, well, some what you were discussing there, um, Silver. How about Silver or Foden? Out of the two, if you have to pick one. Hmm. I guess. I guess as you see, the thing with that is that um, if I go week by week, because I always go week by week with City players, except for probably yeah. like James Edison, This week coming up here is going to be very interesting because Foden is now back into training. Foden was on the bench yeah. last game. And interestingly enough, Gundogan and Walker were completely left out of the squads. I'm assuming, now I hope that FPL is not onto something I don't know about, but I'm assuming those two um, exclusions were as a result of Pep resting players because, you know, the turnover of game weeks are very, very strenuous. It's like the most strenuous I've seen in a while. 
And he is going to be rotating that midfield because of the options. We had somebody like Ake who hasn't played it in a while, started in the sense um, in the defense today, our last game week. He's probably going to continue. Somebody else is probably going to get rotated. Walker's going to come back in. And I feel that Gundo's also going to come back in. With that being said, Foden on the bench um, signals to me that he's going to be ready to start soon, which is what I told Callum what's going to happen because he's going to get rotated up to the point where he's on the bench. He's going to get a few minutes here or there. If he's training well enough, Pep is going to look to start him very soon. Bernardo has been nailed, but the probability of the roulette coming is just such that I can't tell you 100% that he's going to start the next game. What I am going to tell you is that if he does start, I'm going to expect him to be in amongst the chance created again because he's just all over the place. He is going to be in the attack when they do attack. Um, for the price, Callum, do you know quickly what's the price comparison between the two? Because I think that's going to also affect so, my decision. Bernardo is 7. 7. 7. 4. 7. 7. 4. 7. 4. 7. 4 at the moment. Yeah. Okay. So he's 7. Do you know, do you know Foden's as well? I haven't got it in front of me, but I'm... Foden... At the moment, um, he's bear with me a second. He's currently at eight point one, but I, I because I've been playing fantasy this year with the fear, the the time I time I get rid is the time that people play good, and vice versa. And you currently own Foden. That's what you said, right? I currently have Foden, and I'm and I'm I'm six and two threes. Do I do I get? I'm not sure if I if I get if I get silver. It would be far is this, forward. Is this but okay? So is this move going to be a move for the long term, or are you just doing it for this week coming up? I'm not sure. <laughs> I can say my main move is Ronaldo. Get rid of. I'm thinking. I'm thinking a, temp, a temporary move because I do want Ronaldo back. But yeah. if he's if he's a doubt, that's my main one. It would be a minus four if I do the actual uh, Ford to silver. So I'm 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 really not sure. I would, if you own Foden, if this was a game yeah. week move, I would tell you stay with Foden. If it was a long term move, I would tell you go with Bernardo. I think that's where I would go. Because just in this coming game week, yeah, I think it's a perfect opportunity for Foden to return to the squad because he's on the bench, yeah. he's in the training, um, and he's probably almost back to fitness just as Grealish because Pep said they were both on the same wavelength in terms of recovery, and Grealish got a few minutes last week. So I think that he's almost fully match fit. And that's the thing. If you don't, if you don't trust that, then you start Bernardo. So that's that's basically yeah. the point that you're gonna have to take. If you already own Foden, I think you don't risk it, and um, you leave him as is, especially since yeah. you can't. Well. Um, what is your bench looking like as well? I think that's also gonna affect it. My it's bench at the moment. My team. My bench at the moment. Sorry, is uh, Huang, Hodgeberg uh, from uh, Spurs, and. It's uh, Keenan Davis. He's like obviously not playing the space fella, really. 3.9 forward. Yeah. yeah. Mm. He's basically uh, just it, a placeholder. Yeah. If if it's me, I'm I, I I'm personally I'm putting Huang in this week. Uh, I can't remember who Wolves have got. They might have a really tough. They've got, got Liverpool. Liverpool. <laughs> They've got Liverpool. The thing is, the next, one, next one's Man City. Yeah. And then they've got Bright and then and Chelsea. They've got a horrible, horrible next set of four fixtures. Um, so I'm, I'm thinking I do want to get rid of him at some point, but it, it's I'm not sure who. If it's me this week, I'm I'm playing Huang, and then 
waiting for Ronaldo to come back from his knock. Um, yeah. You can expect one point, but then I suppose you have to weigh up if you think that uh, spending effectively four points on a transfer for a Ronaldo replacement and then another four points next week, you know, is yeah. worth um, just playing Huang for his, you know, he's probably going to get one point, you know, very unlikely he'll score. Liverpool have been conceding a fair bit lately, but yeah, chances are Huang won't return. Um, and then you use the transfers to upgrade the rest of your team because you're going to want Ronaldo back. That's the thing. You're, yeah. you're going to want Ronaldo immediately back. I, I can't see that selling him for, you know, what could be a better transfer somewhere else in your team might necessarily mm. be worth it, but well, that's also because I need. Um, it's it's the transfer. I'd probably I'd like. To, that's why I'm not sure about the Kane the Kane thing. I'd, I also need to get Ramsdale at some point. That I've got so many holes in my team that need repairing. So I'm not sure. Mm. Uh, f- for me, one one step at a time. You know, it, I suppose if you need to take a hit to. To get some better players in it, it could be worth it. Who who did you say your midfield was? Well, my team on paper for this week coming. Yeah, all, all, all five actually, players. I'm actually pleased with the, the actual team I've got, apart from that Ronaldo's a doubt. Uh, I'm playing five at the back, uh, but my midfield is Smithrow, Ford and Salah and Jota. They're playing for... With their uh, Hodgeberg on the bench as my substitute midfielder. My five at the back, uh, Rudiger, Trent, James, Cancelo and Livermento. That's, yeah, I, it's, a, it's a good squad. That's the thing. I'm trying to think. Who did you say your fifth, stroke, uh, fifth midfielder was? It's uh, Hodgeberg from Pittsburgh. I'll be pronounce it, but see, on paper, my team is it's good. I like, I love, I like, love how it looks, but it doesn't perform for me. I'm, I'm, I'm doing terrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, if, if if it's me in that situation, I'm probably um, looking to replace possibly Hoiberg to a Gallagher or something like that. Um, I don't know if they're around the same price. I think they probably are. Yeah, but the. He's a bench player, so it's do I want to waste a transfer on a bench player? So that's that's mm. what I'm not sure. I, well, I suppose... Ronaldo's as a, as a starter. If I switch over from it's using this week's transfer for him, or do I or do I just hope for the best, ride the storm, and get two transfers next week? That's that's my main thing that I'm not sure for. Yeah. Nice, hard one. The what? thing is, yeah, no, go on. Yeah, yeah. I think the thing is, I if I was in that situation, cause I've been in that situation, I think a few times. Is yeah. um, I would definitely do damage control, and in damage control, what you do is you list the severity of issues, injuries, whatever it is, and you rank them. So if you see that in your holes that you have identified, you have one that's very pressing, you identify and fix that immediately. What I also saw as a very great tip is that, as Callum mentioned, if you have to take a hit to fix a problem, take the hit, because yeah. don't feel that, don't feel that 
taking a minus four points is gonna hurt you in the long run. If your fix returns for you in the long run, then that's gonna work itself out. And I definitely believe that if you have holes that you've already seen and it's very clear, order them, list them, and go one by one by which one is the most pressing to the least pressing. So if you find the issue is getting striker options, one of, one of the things I always try to do is have three playing strikers, regardless of what team they're from, just yeah. so that in any situation, I can always at least feel two of them because I want to be able to have strikers who score goals on my team at all times, um, just so I can avoid situations like that. So that's why I've always had at least three playing strikers and two of them are always starting. Um, and also, that's, as a City fan, I can admit, I didn't start. I didn't start my team with two City players. I only had one. Just to avoid the doubt that comes with the Pep Roulette. If altogether you want to just rid yourself of distress, which is very unnecessary, then you don't have to even have City players. That's also a very big option that you can look at. You don't necessarily need to have them. Um, especially as I pointed out, they're not guaranteed to, to return. City will score a lot of goals, but they will come from a lot of areas. And that's something that we're going to have to remember. Which is why it's also important that if you're going to bring in a city asset, is it for a game? Because if it's for one game week, then it's more likely that you're going to get done that game week as opposed to trying it for the long run. You're probably going to get two out of ten and you don't really want that. So yeah. that's the other option. And definitely, if you think that you have a goalkeeper move that you want to make, you should make it as fast as possible because you don't want things like um, that point one to be um, totally throwing you off and now you can't afford him, but before you could have. And if it's a goalkeeper like Ramsey, I think you mentioned, he's somebody yeah, who's Ramsey. going to be, he's my goalkeeper right now. And I'm planning on keeping him for as long as I can, just, just because of his performances and the fact that he's always in on safe points. So those are the yeah. things I would like. Don't worry about the minus points for now. You're not going to, you know, obviously trying to spend um, 12 points, but you definitely want to use that ability to spend points if you know that you're going to be fixing something that's going to be hampering you in the long run. And I definitely one of the things would be to have a bench that at least can recover for you just in case you don't have yeah. a player in your starting level in that place. So I think I would prioritize fixing new holes and not necessarily worrying about what you do to fix them. But just note as well that um, there are options that exist where you can prioritize your fixes as well. So I think that's the advice I would give. Cheers, man. I fully agree. I think that's good advice, yeah. Yeah, but I think it. I think it does bring up an interesting conversation about um transfers in general. So I think we mentioned um transfers that work. So my, one of my transfers that worked definitely would have been Wilson. The other being Jota. One of the transfers that I think I should have made, and I think Callum can add to that list, and Steve can add in a minute as well, um, is Regulon. And I I made that note because I looked at Regulon's game against Leeds, which is the last game week previous to the one I just finished. And I realized that Regulon markedly increased his positioning in terms of where he stood on the pitch. Because I know Regulon to be a, a, a standard right back who make moving one or two marauding runs down the wing, but doesn't necessarily stay there. On the Conte, it's been very, very interesting to see that he's been holding positions so high up the pitch. And he mentioned after the game against Leeds that Conte literally pulled him aside and said he wants you further up the pitch. And that's what he's been doing. And he got a lucky goal because of his positioning against Leeds. But then he got a very, very good assist against, um, who did he play? Brentford. Last game week, um, to Son. And it was just, it was just so, like, interesting that it was 
as a result of his positioning, he was in a position to cross a ball to Sun, which was normally which, which would normally not be his role. But because he saw high up the pitch, he was in that position to cross the Sun. And I was telling myself after the league game, you know, Regulon would be a very nice move to make because of his price. If he doesn't return, um, he's going to be in on attacking re- returns. And if Ch- Tottenham play a weaker team and they do get a clean sheet, he's going to get a clean sheet points regardless. And now that he's now that it's almost likely that he's going to continue being in those positions, I can almost put him in that conversation of defenders that are going to get attacking returns more than clean sheet points. I think we should put him in that conversation as well. And at his price, compared to the price of James, Trent, um, Cancelo, um, Aspera, uh, even or Chilwell, I think I would I would faster go to Regulon, um, even with his ownership too, because I think his ownership isn't as high as those others that I mentioned. So that's definitely a transfer that I should have made. Um, Callum, I think I'll go to you with this. What is a transfer that you think, judging by the last game week, that you definitely should have made? Uh, there's a couple in there, isn't there? Because um, f- I, for my fifth midfielder spot, I was torn between Gundogan, uh, a West Ham midfielder, and I, I mentioned Madison as well. Um, mm-hmm. And James Madison obviously came away with a a goal and an assist uh which would have been lovely to have had i considered him a bit harder um the thing is that with those players it hindsight's everything isn't it at that point we didn't know that gundawan wasn't going to join and yeah. who knows had gundawan been playing gundawan could have got those those points as well um it's a shame but obviously yeah if i if i had to pick one i would say not taking Madison along with me while Madison's in such good form is probably an issue that I now have, uh, is that I have a uh, potentially injured Gundogan and no Madison. So, yeah, that, that'd be mine easily. Yeah. And what about you, Steve? What do you think is a chance that you should have made from your last game? Well... I don't. I, I don't think there was anything I. I, I could have. I had an okay week. Seventy three points. Not as good as you two guys. Um, but I had James and Foden on my in my first eleven who didn't play. Right, Replaced right. by Huang and Heiberg. Um, and like I say, my back five is is a good back five, but none of them performed. So I, I wouldn't have changed anything. It's just it's just just one of those days. I think. Yeah. Yeah, and that happens. Like I think that's that's me too, because I think both Rudiger and Trent had great games, clean sheet yeah. wise, and both of them both of them blank. So I yeah. I had no issues with that. I saw that so like okay, cool, that happens. Um, and I think Trent blanked altogether because he didn't even get an assist or a clean um, no. or a goal in a four goal a five goal game. So yeah, I I looked at that and I was like, you know, that, that happens. Um, the reason I bought him was to get my returns. He's not going to get them every single game week, so. I think yeah. we take those in stride. Uh, but that's interesting. One of the other things that I wanted to note as well was, um, I think I already mentioned the underperforming um, player in Jimenez was, to add to that list outside of who I owned, was Antonio, for those who may have who may still own him, because I know that there are a few people that still own him. <laughs> I think his ownership is still very high. Um, he has been definitely somebody who, after his hot, red hot start, Everybody jumped on him. He's definitely been underperforming. And it's against teams that you want him to score goals against. I think that's the big thing. If he's been playing, if he's been playing like the entire top five and 
top six, I wouldn't have minded as much because, you know, it's a bad run and you expect that on those bad runs, he might have a, a little harder time to score. But he's been blanking against teams that you would want him to get in and react in. And then in games where it's like a six-goal fiddle like Liverpool and he doesn't get anything, um, and then you start to wonder, if is he going to continue to go on this run? So I sold him last game week, which was a, a blessing because he ended up blanking in that game too against Brighton. Um, if I can just ask the West Ham experts in the podcast, Callum, what do you think can be linked to that in terms of his recent run of bad form? Because we know that he had an amazing start. He was on par with Salah, I think above Salah at some point. And he even was my captain outside of Salah for like two or three of the early game weeks. Is there anything that you can see from looking at the games, looking at the, the, the pressers, the news, training, that could be attested to his bad run of form? It's hard to say, really, because his run of good form came at the same time as um, Ben Rama's really good run of form. Obviously, him and Ben Rama were linking up really well, assisting, scoring with each other's touches, and, you know, they were great FPL assets together. As soon as one of them dropped off, both of them dropped off. Um, Mm. And I don't know whether that's, you know, but certainly when I watched the West Ham games, Antonio certainly seemed a lot more sluggish. Um, he he's not playing in the Europa League games, um, so you can't put it down to that. He's not playing in the cup games in midweek. You can't put it down to that. Um, for me, it just looks like he's generally tired. Obviously, he's a player who's always had a lot of injuries. He's never really played week in week out. So <laughs> as silly as it sounds, he's probably not used to playing every single week because most of the time. He plays two games, gets injured for two games, played two games, gets injured for two games. Um, But it's at the start of the season when I was watching, when I was watching us play, we seem to be attacking with a lot of confidence and against everybody as well. Um, We were... But all three, all four of our attacking options, so we were playing Bowen, Fornells, Ben Rama and Antonio, they were all contributing to the to the play, and then Antonio and Ben Rama were finishing it off. I noticed that Antonio was particularly good at holding up the ball. He was um, backing into defenders with his arms, and, you know, he, he was really, really, really tough to play against. And he, I, I feel like he doesn't do that quite as much now as he was at the start of the season, and I don't know what that reason is, whether he's maybe not getting the ball to feet as much, maybe we're trying to play it up the wings a bit more. Um, I'm not really too sure, but he's, he seems to be giving it away a lot more than he was before. Before, he was holding it up and picking out a nice pass on the wing, who would cross it and, you know, he could head it in, he could slide it in or whatever, but it seems now that whenever he holds it up, he tries to get a pass away or he holds it up a bit too long. He doesn't make the, quite the right pass. Um, so I think it may be a confidence thing for him at the moment. I'm sure as soon as he starts scoring goals, I'm confident that I will be looking to bring him straight back in. Because I'm, I think that once he starts scoring goals again, he'll, you know, he'll really start scoring them again. And hopefully this uh, good run of fixtures in game week 16 for West Ham will provide that. But... He had, a, he had a nice run of fixtures from game week four, I think, for about three or four weeks, and he didn't do anything. So he's it, it, almost a bit like um, 
it like came for me. He's I'm I'm going to wait and I'm going to hold, um, and then I'll bring him in as soon as he starts scoring. He'll be my number one transfer, I think. Right. Have you have have you had any um experience with Antonio this season, Steve, or have you stayed away from him for the most part? If you're still with us. He's on mute. I don't know if uh, he's aware or if he's listening. I'm sorry, I'm here. Yeah, I didn't realise I was on mute. Um, I got rid of Antonio last week as well. Um, and I've had him, I think, pretty much from the start because he, he started out, he was on fire. Well, it took the early few weeks. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, I give him a chance after chance and I had to get rid. Right. Yeah. So now at the moment... Um, who did I swap him for? I swapped him for my bench filler so I could get uh, Jota. So I've got Jota in midfield instead of uh, instead of Antonio front. Yeah, I think that 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 paid immediate dividends. I think that's a good move. Um, yeah, yeah and I think um, I think moves like that at moves are gonna determine how well your game goes, like how fast you're able to identify and trust in your ability to identify a bad run. I think I identified it a while now, but I just wasn't, you know, just because it's Antonio, 44% owned, you don't want to jump on it too quick and then he scores. Um, but I, I realized just as he said, I've, I've been giving him a lot of chances and he has not been returning. If he had a game like what Abadi had two weeks ago when he had double digits, for sure I would have continued trusting him. Just because I know that once he gets one, he'll get into a few um, because he does score a lot in bunches. Um, but no, it's it's definitely um interesting, and it's also interesting that Callum pointed out that Ben Rama and Antonio's form have been very very linked because I own both of them from the start. Um, yeah, and same. Well, more Antonio. I bought Ben Rama after I think the first two game weeks because of his um hot start just as well, and they were very good when I had them together up until the, that bad run started, and then it was very interesting. Because as soon as that happened, both of them just started to blank together. Ben Rama got the odd assist, but other than that, it definitely was just blanks for both of them. So it was something visual that I was able to see. I definitely saw that firsthand that they were underperforming. But in light of the underperforming players, I think we can always see the light in the overperforming players. And it's something that's going to hit us in particular, Callum and I, very, very hard because we've been discussing these people for like the past two weeks and we, we hadn't considered actually buying them, even though we had shown, you know, all the reasons why we could have. Um, and those players have to be Dennis and King from Watford. I mean, at this point, you're just looking to see how did Dennis squad again? Oh, gosh, he squad again. And you realize that he's not in your team. Um... For me, the toss-up with them is always not the fact that they are scoring. It's the fact that they're playing for teams that I don't expect to score. And that is always going to be my issue going forward with choosing differential picks, especially those lower-picked um, strikers from smaller clubs that are not necessarily... Well, um, smaller in terms of their position in the league. They're not going to be known for attacking all the teams in the league. They're definitely going to be seen as some of the teams that are going to sit back, especially against harder opponents. And then as a result of their position in the table, they're going to have a lot more tougher fixtures in longer stretches because uh, especially in the FPL team of things, they're going to be touted as a, an opponent that is very weak. So that's that's the main reason why I haven't been trusting Dennis and King. Um, I think I want to throw the question out there for anybody really to answer. 
do you mm-hmm. think that this is about the time where we consider bringing them in as viable options to not only be in the team but start as starting strikers in light of the strikers that we already have not performing to their potential? Spending. Think... Oh, go on. No, you start. <laughs> oh, sorry. Um. Yeah. Well, I would swap Huang for Dennis if uh, it didn't cost me four points. Somewhere down the line in the next couple of weeks, I think I will swap Huang for Dennis or Denny, however you however you pronounce it. Um. So that's definitely something I've I've been considering the last last couple of days. Hmm. Yeah, I think that I think that makes sense. What about you, um, Callum? I think that uh, after this game week, so obviously Dennis and King's last um, two fixtures have been Chelsea and Manchester City. Um, is sorry, Manchester City is the one coming up this weekend. Yeah. Um, he actually goes on quite a nice run. So he sort of has Brentford, which they've conceded a lot of goals recently. Burnley. Uh, Crystal Palace, which may be slightly tricky. Uh, West Ham and Wolves, which isn't the best fixture, but it's, again, Watford at the moment look like I can score past anybody, so I wouldn't be uh, disappointed with it. And then they go on a, a nice little run of um, Spurs who have been conceding, Newcastle and Norwich. So I, I think there's potential in that. I don't think it's the best run of fixtures to bring him in for. I don't even think it's a good run of fixtures to bring him in for, but You'd assume that if they're not playing the likes of Manchester City, Liverpool and Chelsea, that they There's can score goals. They can score goals against almost anybody. Um, and they yeah. kind of proved that at the weekend. They can score multiple goals against anybody as well. The way they attack and the way Ranieri's got them attacking is almost how you know Leeds were last season, Brentford were at the start of this season, where they're confident. They throw men forward. They they don't mind conceding a goal to score a goal. Um, I think it's I think it's actually um like the Ranieri team that won the Premier League with Leicester. I think we can make that comparison too. The fearlessness in their attacking mindset. Then you, I didn't quite catch what you said. You kind of cut out a little bit. Can you say that again? Yeah, I think the comparison can be made between. Ranieri's Watford now with the attacking sense anyway and the Leicester team that won the Premier League under him in 2016 yeah I think think Steve's uh, looking to go Um, so I just wanted to say thank you for coming on the podcast Um, no no problem I'm not looking to go I'm just uh, my battery's beeping so I'm going to have to I'm going to love you guys and leave you, and, and I'll, I'll come on next time. Perfect. Thank you for coming Thank on. You. Much appreciated. It's a pleasure, and I'll see, I'll see you guys next time, okay? Yeah. No see problem. you Bye-bye. Thanks for joining. Um, sorry, could you just repeat your question one more time, if that's okay? Yeah, that's fine. Um, what I was saying was that with the comparisons that you were making, I was I was going to say that you could also add the comparison of Ranieri's Leicester team to Ranieri's yeah, Watford team currently. 2016, yeah. Yep. Their 2016 team when they had um, Mares, Vardy and Albrighton, I think it was up front for them, um, was, yeah, they were a team where they scored a lot of goals, but they did, I remember they did concede quite a few as well, didn't they? Especially at the start of that season. Yep. Um, 
yeah, I, I think a lot of teams that do that, they they look bad on paper because they don't necessarily win a lot of games. Um, I suppose for a striker, it doesn't really matter if if the team concede a goal, it doesn't affect him. Whereas if the team score a goal, it it does. So if if a team loses five three every single week of the season, you know the striker would be man of the man of the season on fantasy, but the team would be relegated in last place. So it's um it. it that's interestingly why I think it's important to look at statistics as well. Um, yeah. And it's important to use um, attacking and defensive data when making decisions like that, because clearly you can see that King and Dennis are both very, very in form. Um, you know, even having played the hard games, obviously Dennis scored against, was it Chelsea, I think? Um, yeah. So he, if he can score against Chelsea, there's no reason why he can't. He and King can't score against absolutely anybody. Most definitely. Um, I think that's a big reason for to, to look at them in the future. And I was going to say that even though they're, as you said, their runner fixtures isn't really the greatest, I think just from seeing the identity that Watford have been pushing forward, it's definitely not something I should value too much from buying them, especially at their price. And if you're going to look to replace a third striker that's not necessarily um, as informed as those two, I think... Um, for punt-wise, a long-term-wise, even a one-game-week-wise, they are good moves just because of the volume of points that they've been getting. It's not just goals, they're getting assists. Returns, bonus-wise. So, I think they are good moves, and their moves I honestly should have been considering a lot more from the beginning, especially when they had went on this run in the first place. Just because I, you know, I've been going through the striker problem for a while, and I have not been really finding options to replace. So, most definitely. Um, and just to add to that, in terms of players who we could change the, the dimensions just a little bit now to players that I think I've noted put personally that we should watch out for in the future. One of them for me is Martinelli. And the reason I say that is because I watched the last two Arsenal games. The first game, Arsenal game was against Newcastle. Um, and... The second one, the most recent, would have been against Manchester United. And in both those games, I remember markedly remarking to myself that I really do think that Martin is like very high up the pitch. The first instance is obviously when he scored the goal against the Castle. I mean, he was the furthest one up the pitch when he got up to the, the box and chipped it over the keeper. But not only that, in the Manchester United game, he was actually playing as a centre forward at some points because he was controlling the ball just outside the box. He was looking to make a pass. Then I found him on the left um, side of the pitch, on the wing, and he was playing very, very advanced. And I told myself, you know what, let me just put a marker, FPL-wise, on his name, because I think going forward, he might find himself in a lot more returns. I mean, he scored a goal against Newcastle. So that, that would have been points for him. And I mm. think going forward, I think he might be a sleeper option. And I really, really want to see him continue returning because I want to be right. But I also want to be able to have a differential option in the midfield. Because I think Callum told me that his price range is in five million. I I personally have I think at least two people at some point I would look to replace him with. And that will save me a lot of money to either go big on a striker, go big on another midfielder, or even go big in the defense as we know is very important. So yeah. Do you think there's anybody else you would add to that list of players that you think people should be paying more attention to in the future? 
I, I think I think Martinelli's very good point because having watched him played against um, Thingy this weekend, um, he looked he looked good on the eye test. I haven't checked the statistics on him or anything like that, but he looked really good to watch. Um, he was getting in lots of dangerous positions. He was making runs. He was making passes. Um, I think another problem which we should raise about Martinelli is how nailed is he? Because I, I believe he was only playing because Saka had a slight knock. Um, and I know Saka came on at 70 minutes. Right. Um, so I, I'm not 100% sure if Martinelli's even, but, even but nailed. It, it, In fact, for Lacazette, actually, wasn't it? Not for Saka. Right, yeah. I was going to say um, Saka had played the Newcastle game, started the Newcastle game with Martinelli. So it yeah, probably is no, Lacazette. Do you, do you know why Lacazette wasn't playing in that game? I, I don't... I mean, I don't think he normally starts... <clears throat> Excuse me. I don't think he normally starts, though. I mean, isn't he somebody that normally comes off the bench in any case? Okay. Lacazette, Lacazette I'm talking about. <clears throat> yeah, I, I, I thought, and, you know, it could be completely wrong. This is something I'm looking to, to fix, actually, in my knowledge, is... Um, I believe the Arsenal lineup. I I always thought it was um, Aubameyang on the left, Saka on the right, Smithrow attacking midfield, and Lacazette up top. Um, I think that's changed of late because I can't remember the last time I've seen Lacazette start a game, unless you know memory defeats me. I think it's been up Aubameyang through the middle, <clears throat> and Smithrow right behind him, behind him. I think Lacazette. Wow, I'm losing my voice. Lacazette has been um, coming off the bench a lot more, I believe. Yeah, no, it's interesting. I think it's, um, yeah, having just checked the last few fixtures, so he he came off the bench against Man United and Arsenal, but uh, mm-hmm. before that, he he started the last five before that, and then it was Brighton in game week seven. Um, so, yeah, he didn't play much between game week one and game week seven. And then he was pretty much nailed from game week eight up until game week 13. But I don't know if that was maybe because there was an injury in there or maybe he was playing well. But yeah, you're right. Yeah, potentially he's not as um, as nailed in that team as I thought. Yeah, um, I, 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 yeah, I think I remember telling myself that, which is why I was going to stay away from him as an option, FPL-wise. No, it's, um, it's good. If I, if I have a look um, for everyone and talk about... Um, Martinelli uh his minutes so he also didn't play much between game week one and game week seven in game week eight he played um yeah no Martinelli hasn't played much at all the only games he's really played has been this latest um Manchester United game he hasn't had 90 minutes under his belt before that time at all um he's got a few returns so he got an assist against Crystal Palace in the nine minutes that he played and he's got um a goal against Newcastle in the 26 minutes that he played last week. Um, apart from that, he he started the first two games of the season and after that just didn't start any of them. He's only come on for cameos every now and then. I, I'd be really worried about how nailed Martinelli is. Um, it seems to me like he's not, he's not first choice at the moment. Um, in terms of other players, though, that I'm watching... Um, 
the ones on my radar are the Leicester players at the moment. And obviously it's hard because maybe they're only doing well because of their nice fixture run that we've been speaking about over the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, they've had the likes of uh, Watford, um, Southampton as their last two. So they can make any team look good if they want to. But even next, they've got Aston Villa, Newcastle, Tottenham, Everton, which are definitely scorable games. So if they've gained any sort of attacking confidence in those games, there's no reason as to someone as to why someone like James Madison couldn't be an option for the next few weeks. He obviously then goes on and plays Manchester City and Liverpool, um, but then he follows that up with trips to Norwich and Burnley. So I think he's got a, I think he's got a good shout of being in your team until game week 22, realistically. Um, he's the type of player that you want to watch very closely, though, because he, he said himself in an interview that he's very much a confident player. Um, and he said that, you know, I think the reporter asked him something like, you know, are you scoring more goals now because you've gained a bit of confidence from the, the win over Newcastle where you scored? And he said sort of, yeah, I've scored three goals in two games now. I'm feeling good. I'm really happy. I'm trying to strike more. Um, so it really seems like, you know, confidence plays a big part in his game. So while he's scoring, I think he's he's one to jump on personally. Same with Harvey Barnes. As soon as he scores, I'll, I'll be looking at him as well because we know how good he was at the back end of last season. He hasn't lost a skill. He's obviously just lacking a bit of confidence at the moment. You know, manager dropped him for a little while. Um, mm-hmm. Ianacho played in his place for a few weeks when he was sort of really off form. Um, and he's looked good on the eye test. He hasn't. He hasn't looked bad at all. It's just a case of whether he can get his. Um, Get his shooting boots on, get his his passing boots on, see if he can get a few goal involvements under his belt. I think for me, he's he's the one to watch, definitely. And we can't forget the Crystal Palace boys sure. as well. Sorry, um. uh, you know, Crystal Palace have a lovely set of fixtures all the way up until game week twenty. Um, you could play their centre backs, in my opinion, pretty much every single week. And I'm sure you'd get 50% clean sheets in there. Um, and for because they're only 4.5 million as well, they've got to be good value in there. Um, and let's think about Zaha as a Elise has been starting recently. So they're all ones to watch. And if they really kick off, you've got to jump on them straight away. Like Gallagher, when he was on his form, you jumped on him straight away, sort of thing. Right. I think that's I think that's um, very good to note because I now have my personal questions. I think that's a nice way to end off. Uh, one more thing to do after that. My team, and so let me just go and pick team real quick and show you exactly what I'm talking about. So my team is as follows. Um, Ramsey and Goal, Watford, I'm not Watford, Diaz playing Watford in defense, Alexander and Alpine Wolves, Rudiger playing what, uh, West Ham United. That's my defence right now. Rafina playing Brentford. Salah playing Wolves with my captain Zamban. Smithbrook playing Everton. Jota as well playing Wolves. Wilson playing Burnley on top. Vardy with my vice-captain playing Aston Villa. And Jimenez playing Liverpool. Livermento on my bench. Gallagher and the Norwich defender is on my bench as well. 
I think what I've uh, marked immediately is to get a move on with Jimenez, probably move him to somebody. What I wanted to ask though is my options for transfers are as follows. I'm looking to get in, I wanted to get in regular. I have 0.6 in the bank, right? And I have one free transfer this week. I wanted to get in regular um, for either Rudiger or Livermento. The only thing is that Livermento's move doesn't work unless I sell somebody else and get more funds in the bank. I think, I think Regulon is 5.2 and run uh, Livermento is 4.4 and the 0.6 only gets me to 5 so I would need 0.2 more. That was one. The other one was moving Gallagher, a potential move for Gallagher. Um, just a lot, something to note. And obviously the move for Jimenez to another striker. So of those options that you see, and probably after hearing my team, you could identify more areas that I think I should focus on. What do you mm -hmm. think is more pressing? What do you think the move should be? What do you think a transfer, the transfer situation should look like for me for this game? Because I'm honestly um, just as good as the next person in terms of what I want to do right now. So I'm literally just taking information from everywhere. Yeah, definitely. So I think it's worth noting that Tottenham's run of fixtures doesn't get any easier. Um, obviously, the back end of a, a really green run of fixtures, um, you know, just in the last kind of weeks they've had um but as well actually in the last three um he plays norwich next which you could get a bit red so he plays sort of brighton leicester liverpool crystal palace which are good defensively um and southampton which have been playing okay or but obviously you could still get a return in that game but yeah the main concerns I have is him playing Leicester, Liverpool um, and Brighton in the space of three weeks. I don't, I don't see many returns in there for him there. If he if he returns against Brighton, you could potentially say, all right, maybe he's going to return against Southampton and Crystal Palace as well. But realistically, I think his best run of fixtures are now over until kind of late game week 20s. So game week 25 onwards, I think his fixtures turn good again. Um, in terms of Jimenez, I think the fact that he's not performing well and he has some up upcoming difficult fixtures make him probably my would be my number one priority. Um, obviously, he failed to return against Burnley and Norwich, but were that, was that because they were putting ten men behind the ball? I'm not. I'm not really sure. I, I didn't watch those games too clearly, to be honest. Um, yeah. he's the one you've probably got out of all the ones you want to get rid of he's probably the one with the you've got the most money tied into um so if you kind of got rid of him you'd probably have about eight million to spend that could get you obviously you've got wilson could get you a Benteke, a tony there's not there's not a whole lot of options around his price that's the only problem how much have you got in the bank 0.6 
Ooh, does that mean you can afford Gabriel Jesus? And is that is that someone you'd consider as a Man City fan? And that's the next thing I was going to say is that I can't, as a Man City fan, just walk over this Watford game. Like, I really can't. Because I know, just as with the Norwich game, I am 100% certain that if City gets into the goal scoring, which I usually do, there's a chance that people like Jesus, Bernardo, Gunagan get in double digits very easily. And it's not just one of them I speaking, but like all of them collectively can get double digits from this game um, collectively. So I I wouldn't be averse to it. No, I definitely would um, consider it, especially if it's just a one game week thing. I probably would move on from him after this game week because I just don't want to risk the popularity with two city players in my team. Um, so I, I, I wouldn't be against it. No. Um, how much is Jesus? 8.7. Which is why I thought it was so close to potentially, you know, you might even get priced out of it. If um, I, I don't remember how much Jimenez is right now, to be honest with you. Um, seven, seven, seven point six. So yeah, I wouldn't be able to. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's a little bit low. He's at he's seven point eight now. You probably got him at seven point four, so he's probably rise risen in price a few times. Um, yeah, seven point six. Yes, that is a hard one, to be fair. Um, What was your other alternative that you mentioned? I wanted to get somebody in for Gallagher. Gallagher, yeah. So again, yeah, I suppose, would you be adverse to taking a punt on Martinelli? Because they're the same price. Or, in fact, I think you probably save a bit of money for... um, or Gallagher, so you could you could potentially do sort of Gallagher to Martinelli, and then um, and then do Jimenez to to Jesus. It just depends how much you think Jesus is going to play, because obviously you can't have too many rotation risks in your team. If you've got um, the likes of you, you've got Rudiger Diaz, who should be nailed but could be rotated. Um, Vardy, who Rogers has said is a potential rotation risk. You've got Omar Bamadele, who doesn't play. You've got um, you'd be, then be looking at Martinelli, who might not play every game, or will come on for a one-point cameo. And you've also got um, Jesus, who could potentially be a rotation option. That's a lot of rotation options for the Christmas period. Um, you probably probably want to find someone like um, Shea Adams or something like that who's fully going to play every single game. He, he's someone like that would be someone I'd look at who you can rely on week in week out. Can you think of any nailed strikers that potentially won't get dropped? So Wilson's probably a good example of one, but obviously we both own him. Yeah. Um. Let me go through the list actually. So. Uh... Beneath Jimenez, I mean Bamford is on his way back. Watkins could be an option as well. Is there is there an injury update on Bamford as to how long his timeline is or Calvert Lewin? Because I think Calvert Lewin was due back on the fourteenth of um, December. So if you can really hold out, then um, Jimenez to Calvert Lewin is probably a straight swap. Yeah, it is. I, I'm not sure about Cavalier. I know that. Um, well, oh, they just gave an update. They said that it's he's expected back. Um, December twenty sixth now. Cavalier on FPL anyway. 
Yeah, that's still four game weeks away. It's only about three, two, three weeks away, but it's four game weeks, isn't it? Yep. So that's the thing. Um, I might consider what Watkins to be very honest with you. At least from what I saw against City, yeah. he was very impressive. He, he's um, played really well, Watkins. He's um he's looked really good, and he's playing as the lone striker at the moment. Problem is with Ings there. Does Watkins then move to the side? See problem, and I don't know what. I have no idea what. Yeah, I have no idea what Gerard would do with that rotation because I I've seen them either play both at the same time, one bench, one start. So I think that's too much of a risk. Hmm. Yeah. I think this is going to be another one. Oh, Lord. I have to go down to the deadline again. I know what happened last time. Oh. Okay. Uh, but this, I think this time you've got to press uh, submit or confirm with 10 minutes to go. Don't, don't leave it any longer. <laughs> I probably should. I really should. Uh, okay. Um, the city issue is that it, it starts when I get up. So, like, it, it's at 6 o'clock in the morning is usually the deadline, and that's when I get up. So I either have to get up earlier or, um, you know, do it like 10 minutes yeah, before and I start I start thinking about it and um you know that's gonna end up me pressing control my six all up on that. But that's fine. I think I'd be able to make a choice by that by then. There's um Dennis as well who uh, I don't think he's gonna be a much better option than Jimenez. Um but I think yeah. after next week he will be a better option. Um, I think I definitely will look at him after next week for sure. Yeah, and just just to add to that, that um he's raising uh, he's rising in price tonight as well, Dennis. So he's more than likely to go up. So if you want that price change, you could jump on him tonight, um, and just take the price rises as they come because I can't see that his price is going to fall, really. Um, the other alternative as well is Josh King, um. Josh King's got the better statistics than Dennis has, even though Dennis scored in the last game. And uh, Josh King's also on penalties. So it's just something to consider, is that if I'm looking for a striker, I'm I'm personally going towards Josh King rather than Dennis. But if you want that price rise, then Dennis is the man for tonight. If not, maybe go for Josh King. Yeah. I'll consider, those are things to note, those are things to note. I think on the last footage, just before we wrap up, I think we could go through the predictions that we made real quick, because I think the fans are really expectant on the results. They want to know what happened with our predictions from last <laughs> week. So yeah, for sure. Can... I've got them all uh, in front of me. So maybe if um, if I read out our predictions, you can uh, read out what the actual score lines were, because I have both our predictions in front of me here. All right, let me get the fixtures up. Let me just start by saying this was a very close um, game week between me and Dom. We both got pretty much the same amount of predictions correct. Um, and I called for VAR, but it didn't make sense after realising that VAR is a United but Anyway, go ahead, um, Carl. I'm sorry <laughs> for this. Um, the, the first game of the, of the week was Newcastle and Norwich. Um, I'd predicted a 2-1 win to Norwich. And I think you predicted a 2 0 win to Newcastle, so we went opposite ways there. I don't think either of us were correct, were we? No, because it ended up being a 1 0 draw. But that was the game that was highlighted by the red card early on, so I think that really changed the entire dynamic of it. Um, that being said, it was interesting that Newcastle were able to score at all, to be honest with you. 
Definitely fully agree. Um, as a as someone who predicted Norwich to win, I'm kind of disappointed that even though Newcastle got the red card, that Norwich didn't actually go on and win that game. But we move. Um, the next game was Leeds Crystal Palace. Um, I predicted a three-one uh, win to Crystal Palace, and I think you predicted a one-all draw. Yep, and it was one 0 to Leeds. One 0 to Leeds. So we both got that wrong as well. This is not good nope. so far. Um, the next game was Southampton Leicester. I predicted two one to Leicester, and you predicted three one to Leicester. Again, <laughs> three in a row. <laughs> yep. Um, it's too all. Too all drop. <laughs> I, I I'm sure people, given Leicester's recent form, could have potentially seen that coming. Um, Definitely. The next game was Watford Chelsea. So I think we both got the uh, the correct team to win on this one. I mean, you'd hope you would on Le- uh, Watford Chelsea, but. Neither of us got the right scoreline, so I predicted 5-1 to Chelsea, and you predicted 2-0 to Chelsea. What was the final score? So close. It was 2-1 to Chelsea. 2-1 to Chelsea. Yeah, no one predicted that Dennis goal. Um, Not at all. The next game was West Ham-Brighton, so I predicted 1-0, and you predicted 1-0 to West Ham. Who got that right, um, Dom? You you did. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that, that result ended as a one-all draw. As a as a predictions fan, I was happy. As a West Ham fan, I was devastated. Um, yeah. Interestingly enough, if they hadn't have scored that 88th minute winner, I'd have been happy because I'm a West Ham fan and you'd have been happy because you'd have got your prediction right. Yep, definitely. <laughs> um, the next game was Wolves-Burnley. So I predicted one-all. Uh, we both predicted one-all, in fact. Um, and I think, if I'm not mistaken, it ended goalless, didn't it? No, yep. Blank by him, yes. Yeah, in hindsight, goalless does seem appropriate. Both Neither team attacks overly well, and both teams defend particularly well. So I suppose, realistically, I could have seen that coming. But I just thought Jimenez and Cornet would would get something. Um, exactly. The next game was Aston Villa Manchester City. So I predicted a one nil win to Manchester City. You predicted a three nil win to Manchester City. What was yeah, the scoreline? I don't recall yeah. that one. Both wrong on that as well. We got the winner right, but we were wrong on the result. It was two one to Man City. Uh, oh, I got the goal Should difference it? right then. <laughs> yeah, but uh, it should have definitely been a um. Should have definitely been through. I'm just going to say that because this was Mr. Chance earlier. But, you know, we don't have to go into that. Yeah, next game. <laughs> uh, the next one was Everton-Liverpool. So we both predicted 3-0 to Liverpool. We didn't think Everton would score. But they managed it. Yeah, and even Liverpool managed to surpass us too. Surprise, surprise. They ended up being <laughs> 4-1. Yeah, 4-1. I can't remember who got the Everton goal now, was it? Richarlison, I believe. But, uh, no, yeah. I can, I can check it here. Gray, yeah, Richarlison. Yeah, Richarlison passed it to Gray, didn't he? And yeah. Gray slotted it away. That was a nice goal, to be fair. Um, the next game was Tottenham Brentford. Um, I predicted nil nil, and you predicted one all. What was the score? I don't remember the scoreline of this one. 
Two nil to Spurs. <laughs> That's right. Spurs. Well, I was still. Tr- I've I've had a few people ask me who scored the other goal for Spurs, and I know Sun got one. I can't remember who got the other one. For the life of me, it wasn't Kane. Do you do you recall who scored? Whose own goal? Oh um, yes, when they was... headed it against each other. It was Sun and That was a crazy own goal. That was a funny own goal. One one player headed it so onto his own defender's head, and that went ricocheting back into the net. <laughs> um. Yep. The last one was Manchester United Arsenal. I predicted a one all draw and you predicted a two one win to Manchester United. That's right. I'm fully expecting to see Manchester United look good over the next few weeks. I hope that Rangnick, however you say his name, Rangnick, um can spark some life into them. I think oh, so I, I think we mentioned before that Sancho correct, and Rashford could be good options like going forward. They so seem three, like they're um, in that front four along with Fernandez and uh, Ronaldo. Fernandez got his first goal as well in oh, Yonks. Absolutely lots of weeks ago he got his last goal. So good to see him back mm. on the score sheet because he might provide a bit of headaches to, to managers now. Um, if Rangnick can get them playing, who knows, you know. All four of those front options could be good. Shaw, Tellez, depending on who plays, and um, Wan-Bissaka or Dalot, whoever plays under him, um, could be good for crossing goals. You know, there's a lot of potential there if the right manager can really get them going. But no, that was all of our... Definitely. That was all of our predictions. Um, I think that's. I think that's about it. Yep. Um. I think I really have to sort out this thing for the next game week because I don't like to be uncertain. But just to you know, throw it out there. Who 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 are we captaining for uh, this next game week? Salah. Right. Thank you very much, Callum. Um. We can move <laughs> on to the next one. No. Yeah. But yeah, uh, I, I think it speaks to itself. I mean, we we had actually listed other alternatives to Salah a few weeks ago and they returned. But even mm-hmm. in those returns, Salah had also returned. So if you hadn't captured him, you would have lost rank regardless, which is just the nature of things right now. And I mean, above all else, looking at the squad, looking at the Liverpool squad, you could just see goals in them. So I, mm-hmm. as a person, might considering this is the time Salah starts to flop, I wouldn't go at it just yet. Just because in fact that Liverpool are just looking as if they're just banging on goals. And I think they haven't scored, there haven't been a game in a game where there wasn't at least two Liverpool goals for a while now. Like I can't remember the last time Liverpool haven't scored two goals. It's crazy. So, their their I, current um, average goals per game is something like three point. 3.05 goals per game because they've scored 43 goals in 14 games which is 43 goals in 14 games is huge massive that's that's over three goals a game they're scoring which is that would be i'd call thing. it unsustainable we're in game week 14 15 so can't be that unsustainable because they <laughs> they've done it for nearly half the season now exactly and i think that would be on pace to like completely shatter the most goals in a season but i think it's like 103 by Man, Man City two seasons ago, when they got 100 points, they got 106 goals. 
Yeah, I think I know a little song. You know, I know a song. But yeah, uh, that's that's definitely that's definitely. I, I think that's gonna be over 115 goals, or 115 goals if it stays on like three goals a game. So wow. Yeah. And that, that Man City game go that Man City team in twenty eighteen will go scoring machines. So to beat that, I you see you see why Salah is banging on Captain C pick. So definitely um Salah. What I wanted to oh, this is the last thing we should lend off on just very quickly, is the ups the the possibility that he gets rotated because I've been hearing this going around. We thought it would happen last week, it might happen this week, you know, just in case. But who would you advise just in the event that he does get rotated, Salah I'm speaking about, would be your vice captain? I've put my vice captain this week on, 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 on. Um, no one as of yet because apparently it's sat on Reese James right now, and I know for a fact that I had Reese James on my bench just now. Um, <laughs> right. So when I fiddled with my team, he's coming and he's got the vice captain auto on him. Um, my, my, my captain, my vice captain. Sorry for this week is more than likely going to be I mean <laughs> could well be James to be fair no probably Cancelo I'm probably going to put my vice captain's armband on um, and the only reason for that is is that I don't have any other captainable players other than Salah Salah's just my permanent captain so I haven't bothered putting another captain option in there um, yeah, I think I think we missed it too. Maybe that's a potential oversight on my wild card because if Salah gets rotated or doesn't play, then you know you need a strong vice captain. But realistically, any of my defenders can can score big. Um, you know, against a team like Watford, Cancelo could. Defend really well, get the clean sheet, get some assists, and get some bonus points, and you could come with a double-digit hole. It's you know could happen. And yep, it can. And he's I think he's he and Trent have already outscored Salah in a few game weeks, so it's not impossible. It's happened already. So um, definitely, that's a good option. I think for me, I'm looking at I'm looking between Vardy, Wilson, and I want to put Rafina in there. For my vice captain options, it's currently on Vardy. It's probably going to stay there. Just for the fact that Aston Villa now seem to have some sort of identity attacking-wise. Because, I mean, they were very able eh, and very um, productive in attacking City. I, I was I was very, very concerned at some portions of the game of how well Aston Villa were doing with the ball. Um, particularly getting Watkins in. So with that in mind, I really want to assume that Gerard is going to go into this Leicester game with an opportunity to score goals. And in so doing, he's going to leave spaces when he open, uh, open spaces in the back of his defence for Vardy mm-hmm. to run into, which is then going to mm-hmm. allow Vardy to do what he normally does um, and score goals from a counter-attack. So I want to bank on that, but there's also the option that I might change my mind and go to Wilson against Burnley just because it's Burnley. Um, and you'd want to think that they're going to go into that game knowing that they have to win to really stand any chance of staying up. And if that's a game that you win with three points, then it's going to be Burnley. Or obviously, Rafinha against Brentford, just because, you know, the goal scoring threat is always there and it's probably going to be Rafinha. So that's my options right now. But I remembered myself noting that, you know, just in case this does occur where he does get rotated, Salah, you're going to have to ensure your vice captains on somebody who's going to get points. So that's why I said we should mention it. Um, 
but yes, I think that's it. I think it was a very good discussion, very, very fruitful. I definitely know I'm going to have to think of a lot of things going forward because there are a few chances I need to make. Um, mm. So I'm best to sort that out. Um, oh, the gaming deadline is 7 o'clock tomorrow. So I'm going to have an hour. I'm going to have an hour. Okay, so that's going to give me some time. Um, but yeah, so good discussion. Anything else you want to add before you leave, Callum? No, I don't think so. Thank you for listening. Much appreciated. Um, yeah. Go on, I'll let you sign off your host this week. <laughs> yeah for sure um yeah thank you very much for listening it's the appreciate the appreciation has been coming in um and i think you know as people who are not who have never done this before i think we were doing well i know you know there have been messages of you know some sort of criticism here or there it's always appreciated please do let me know if i have done anything incorrectly and things that you think i can improve but also don't hesitate to let us know what we're doing right because that is something that we are you know trying to do as well as to do something right um anytime you see a piece of advice that definitely helps you don't hesitate to let us know and also please tell me especially me dominic as soon as possible if you hear any audio problems in the recording so i know that has been happening of late please let me know early and probably give me a timestamp if you can because i usually don't wait too long to delete the audio files on my computer just because they're very large they're usually an hour plus long it takes up a little bit of space on my laptop and I need that for future podcasts. So um, let me know early. Otherwise, continue to let us know what you think of the podcast, what you think should be added. If you want to join, again, don't hesitate. Ask us. We will more than likely uh, very, very willingly give you um, space and opportunity to speak like Steve today. Thank him for coming. And yeah. we hope that you listen to the next episode of FPL Nations, which should be coming up just before the next game week deadline. And we hope that your FPL game week goes splendidly. So until next time, this is me, Dominic, signing out. Thanks as well to Callum for coming. And we hope to hear from you. And we hope to hear from you soon. See you guys.